Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. All right, if you manage to make it through uh, dry January, as they call it, successfully, there is a chance you are back on the sauce now and planning a big night out this weekend. Although by the looks of the weather, you might be better off staying at home, by the way, because it's freezing outside and it's said to get colder over the next few days. Anyway, many of you made big changes in January around alcohol and maybe some of you are wondering if it could be more or maybe a more permanent change. We talk a lot about the increase in problem drinking among women especially and helplines reported a dramatic increase in calls after Christmas. And our next guest uh, can speak on all of this. Louisa Evans is a therapist and mum in her 40s who ditched alcohol and became a sober rebel. She has written a book of the same name, Becoming a Sober Rebel, and also hosts a podcast called, you guessed it, The Sober Rebel. Now, wherever she interviews guests about the joys they experience since going sober. Now, she joins me now on the line to chat about, well, our a funny old relationship with drink that we have both in the United Kingdom and here in Ireland. Uh, Louisa, hi, how are you? Hello, how are you? Yeah, we've got a funny relationship with alcohol in this country, probably worse than the UK, actually, to be honest, or the United Kingdom, to be honest with you. Everything we do in this country demands having a drink with us. I think, yeah, I think that's really common worldwide mm. on some level. I think it's just a societal thing that alcohol is the thing you do to relax, to celebrate, to unwind. To yeah. drink if you're stressed, you know? If you're grieving, it doesn't matter, you know? It's a funeral, it just has to involve alcohol. And here's the other thing, Louisa. We're like alcohol pushers, because I don't even drink. And I remember going to an event recently, and I'm standing at the bar, and somebody recognised me. Well, you're Ryan Noel Boyle from the radio. I said, yeah. He said, will you have a drink? And I said, no, I don't drink, I grant. Go on, you'll have one, will you? And I'm going, I don't drink. Go on, just one, you'll have one with me, will you? And I'm going, why, why is he pushing alcohol <laughs> on me? <laughs> We do that, don't we? I know. Well, I'd like to think I never did, but I will say I would always have been the person to produce a bottle of Prosecco at a play date. Oh, okay. You know, it was, you know, it was one of those things that I would encourage. I'd never, if somebody said to me they didn't drink, no, gosh, no, I'd never ever say, go on, have one. Yeah. Um, but I was so, I was just so unaware of, oh. of, of how sort of it had permeated Mm. my life. And when did you start drinking? What age were you when you started drinking? Oh, this is a sort of a different one because I didn't start drinking as a teenager. I worked as, when I was a teenager, I worked in the family business. I filmed weddings and I was working every Saturday. So, you know, I wasn't going out with friends. I wasn't drinking in that way. But what happened was I, I ended up getting married, obviously being in the industry, getting married really young. And I was just a bit bored in my life. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I just turned to to wine at home. Yeah. And all my friends were doing it. So this was, if I think back, it was sort of late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And all of the celebs, you know, I really looked up to um, some of the celebs, Sarah Cox, Zoe Ball, Kate Moss, and they were all heavy partying, the Spice Girls, you know, everybody was always seen coming out of a club really drunk and it just seemed like the cool thing to do to drink wine. the right it thing to do yeah to enjoy life yeah. That's, this is how you enjoy life and by the way i've noticed because when i watch say anton deck or any of these kind of british programs right and you know when they kind of go okay let's go to john's house and the, the hidden camera or whatever and they go to somebody's house 
British people tend to sit around watching television drinking. Now, I have to, that's one thing yeah. we don't really do as much, I think, as British people. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm not a drinker. But I, I know wine o'clock has become a big thing in this country as well, primarily for women. And we're now seeing a huge increase, according to statistics, in women presenting themselves with liver problems before they're 40 years of age, which is a big turn, by the way, because we think about some time gone past, it was mainly men. Now it's women drinking yeah. wine. Uh, and this kind of culture has creeped in of sitting at home from six in the evening till ten at night drinking a case of wine. I think you've just described how I used to be. <laughs> I think that was exactly my evening. Put the kids to bed and, oh, I'm so stressed. I could always find a reason. Um, yeah, I could always find a reason to stop at the shop and get a bottle of wine. And like you say, sit and watch telly. I was not a go out and drink person. I'm, I wasn't a binge drinker. I was never particularly drunk. I was rarely hungover. I had a really good tolerance. It was just such a habit yeah. that I'd got into. But, you know, I'm not going to say all my friends, uh, but most of my friends were similar. And so there were people that drank more than me, but there were also people that drank less. And it's that you look for that confirmation bias, don't you? You yeah. look to sort of reassure yourself that you're okay because so-and-so down the road... Drinks more than me. You know, yeah. 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 So I'm all right. Do you, um, but you were functioning, so there was there was no problem in that regard. You were going to work on time and, and you were oh, looking yeah. after the kids and everything else. So you were never in a state where you couldn't do those things. You were never an unfit never. parent or anything like that. But do you think, looking back at it, were you addicted to it? Do you think, because I, I, I hasten to word, use the A word, but do you think you were kind of addicted to it, that you would have missed it very terribly if, if it had just gone away? Um, I think I was addicted. And I think the, the, the A word, the alcoholic word, the pro, it's like your sober pronoun. What is your sober pronoun? I tend to call myself a, a kind of a grey area drinker, a middle lane drinker, drinking too much. Mm. But I wasn't physically and I, there was no real definition for the for alcoholic uh, but I wasn't physically dependent on it but I was certainly emotionally dependent on it and psychologically dependent on it and it was when I tried to stop and being a therapist I had all of the tools you know I, I had everything at my fingertips I, I worked with CBT I had everything yeah. that I could need and I still struggled. I really struggled. And there was a part of me that was sabotaging this. I didn't really want it to work because that would mean I'd never drink again. And that little part of my brain initially didn't want me to succeed. And that was painful. That was, that was really painful. And what was the turning point that you decided, now this lifestyle has to stop? I think, um, so when I first decided, I wanted to go sober 10 years ago. Right. And I tried it and I did five days and I didn't know anyone that was sober. And I don't think Instagram or any of the social media things were massively big on, on that kind of thing. And I just didn't see anybody that was like me or that wanted to quit. And if I did know anybody that had quit drinking, they were miserable. So I thought, mm. absolute rubbish. I won't bother. And then going back into 2022, I started up. Uh, an Instagram account, actually, and just started looking at the hashtag sober and sober curious because I'd noticed I was I was little things. It was like death by a thousand cuts. It wasn't a rock bottom. It was my, my hair was breaking off very easily. Um, yeah. I was bruising really easily. Uh, I was getting an ache in my back around my kidney area. 
Oh. Uh, little things like that that you know little are warning signs. signs yeah yeah oh massively but I didn't I was so terrified I didn't want to go to the doctor I was also working in clinic with people now I didn't specialize with in alcohol at that point um, but I was helping people with habit change and then sometimes people would come in and say look I'd like to address my drinking and I just felt such a hypocrite because I knew I'd go home and pour myself a large glass of white wine <laughs> in order to, like, unwind and, you know, do as I say, not as I do, yeah. basically. Yeah, sounds like a politician, really. I got fed up, you know, yeah. I got fed up for the constant merry-go-round, really. Yeah. Just the, the waking up in the morning saying, not that I was hungover, but I felt anxious. I had kind of a 3 a.m. wake-up that, that was like, oh, I, I've drunk again, and I said I wasn't going to drink again, and... I've let myself down and, you know, you start your day like that. Yeah, I know. It's disappointing when you let yourself down. Well. I know because, I, you know, when I be, was get, trying to give up cigarettes, you know, and I've tried on numerous occasions throughout my life, only up until recently there, I was reasonably successful. Um, but I, it was a case of, you know, every time I'd go, okay, that's the last packet. That's the last packet. And then I'd go into a shop to buy something else and I'd go, well, yeah, give me 20 mile red. And I'd walk out feeling so guilty, feeling like a bold child. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm sure you went into the shop. I buy bread, I buy milk and butter. There's the wine. I'm not going to touch that, but I'll just take a bottle of it anyway, just in case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and me and my husband both drank, and so it was like he was also our hobby. You know, it was yeah. just something that we did together. Our we hobby. didn't go out. We've got young children. You know, it's like. What else do we do? Want a glass of wine, <laughs> so, honey? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Had a hard day, you know. And yeah. so that was that was the thing. It was it was like I, I didn't know what it was going to mean to my marriage. Yeah. You know, what, what was going to happen if I removed this one thing that was, was sort of, I didn't know if it was the glue that yeah. was holding us together. It's like a deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got to be looking at you going, I'm still drinking and she's not now. She's real boring now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, either way, it could have gone really badly. Luckily, and I never asked him to go sober with me, but he said he would join me at the start. Okay. And then he just noticed so many benefits and he, he says now he wouldn't touch it. And what was which, what was that first day like? Or that first week, I suppose, rather than day? You know, were you bored um, out of your head at six o'clock going twiddling your thumbs going, do we have, I don't know, maybe I'll have much. a glass of lemonade yeah, or mean, something that looks like wine. <laughs> it is, yeah, put it in a wine glass. And actually, that's not a bad tip. Um, but it, it's one of those things that I tried in, in the first instance and kept failing. And that was the thing that really shocked me was how entrenched this habit was. Yeah. Because it wasn't a physical addiction. So, you know, you walk into the supermarket, there's, alcohol everywhere and this was then in the lead up to christmas and so we said to each other we said right let's do it after christmas and i had the worst christmas i have ever had because i was drinking and not wanting to be it was just the most ridiculous situation yeah and so but you do always put it first, off i did that with the smoking as well okay yeah. it's kind of like okay christmas is coming you know i'll be going out and what have you i'll, I'll wait till after christmas then after christmas Oh, I know we're going to be going out for away for a weekend for Valentine's. I'll wait till after that. And then after that, it's, yeah. oh, it's a birthday coming up. I need to have a cigarette then. I'll wait till after that. Then it's the summer holidays. And I get, you just keep looking for reasons to put it off all the time. You do. And that's exactly what I did. And, and I just ended up, and I filmed myself a lot at this time. And I didn't know why, because it genuinely was for my eyes only. And then I ended up sharing it to Instagram. And it's sort of gone a bit, mad good. um on online. <laughs> ah, it's good so for other people. 
<laughs> it is. And I get loads of messages saying, look, you're showing the reality of it because for some people they can just stop. And even with all the tools in my armory, I still had a part of me that was sabotaging myself. There's a lot of work you need to do on your mindset when you go sober. And, and I think people that have just done dry January, if you've sulked through that process and can't wait till February the 1st, then that's a sign that even though you've managed a month off, that you know, your relationship isn't healthy and you may need to look at it and, and just challenge some of those cognitions that are keeping you drinking. Yeah, I mean, and, and you are right. If you've gone through January and not had a drink, but the whole purpose of you not having a drink through January is looking forward to February the 1st, well, you're really not, you're not in the right game, are you? You're not in the right mode. No, exactly. No. And, and that, that, that was it. And I, the thing was, was that I was never, I think a lot of people were surprised when I went sober. I was the least likely of everybody that you'll have met to go sober. Yeah. But I was also not somebody that you would have gone, oh, gosh, she's got a problem. You know, <laughs> yeah. she needs to and did you need to replace it with something else? Because you're used to sitting there watching TV with the husband with a glass of wine with the feet up and the socks on, having a little bit of a cuddle every now and again. So did you, did you need to replace the wine with something else, some other habit or hobby? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things was that I, I like a bit of chocolate now. Got to be, got to be said. But when I when I stopped drinking, I lost nearly three stone in weight. Yeah, a lot of people say pounds. that. Yeah, yeah. I just I lost it. And well, there's I mean, so much sugar was, in alcohol. Alcohol, of course, turns to oh, sugars in your body. Of course, and there's so much sugar in wine. Yeah. And you make bad food choices. So I wasn't really aware I was making bad food choices, but I clearly was because that sort of weight doesn't just fall off you over the period of 12 months. Um, I do like the gym, but I've always liked Mm. the gym. Um, And I was working out in the past to sort of balance out the alcohol. You know, I've done a workout. I can have my wine tonight. And now I'm working out and I feel good. You know, so that's completely changed. But I think, um, what else have I replaced? Have you you replaced it with a liquid of any type? I mean, do do you drink kind of Red Bull now or something? By the way, that's what (laughs) I drink. (laughs) Or lemonade or something instead. (laughs) Um, fizzy water, do you know, that may sound really boring to some people, but I do love a fizzy water. Yeah. And and it's just, and a cup of tea and a nice coffee. Fizzy water and lime is nice, actually. A bit of fizzy yeah. water. Yeah, yeah, a bit of lime. And... I like quite like ginger. So, like, you know, you know, sometimes you like to sort of burn. So those little yeah. ginger shots, those health shots are quite nice. Yeah. But um, I drink more varied things now I'm sober than I ever did as a drinker because I always used to drink the same thing. And what is the problem nowadays when we're seeing this kind of flip from men being alcoholics to women being alcoholics. Why do you think that suddenly happened? I know it's kind of empowerment and it's equality and it's all those things. Is it a case of we can be just like them and drunks too? I mean, why is it we're seeing more women presenting with alcohol problems now than ever in history? How how long have you got? (laughs) It's basically down to the marketing, you know, and it's, it's we have we have been targeted, and this isn't a conspiracy theory. That the alcohol industry sort of saturated the market with men. They they drink a heck of a lot, and so it, a bit like with smoking years and years ago, they decided to move the target market to women. And so when I was growing up, we had lots of messages about ladette culture. Oh, I remember want to drink that. Like men drink pints. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I grew up with. I drink pints. Jeez, that brings friends. back memories. I, I remember doing talk shows like thirty years ago. And one of the topics, I remember one of the topics was women who were ladettes. 
And I, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, women who wanted to be like men and drink pints of beer. <laughs> it was a kind of... It wasn't a dumb thing for a woman to drink out of a pint glass 30 years ago. They had to drink out of half pint glasses. Yeah, and I used to kick up about it if somebody bought me a half pint. You know, it would be... You know, I would have a pint of beer. And that, that is the thing, is that I was exposed to that as I was growing up. I was sort of 19, 20, into my, into my 20s. Then any television programme you watch has always got a sophisticated, big, bulbous glass of red wine, you know, by the, by the lead character drinking, you know, the lead character is drinking it. Um, so there's a lot of marketing going on. Pink Prosecco, mm. gin flavours, gin palaces. Yeah, gin's big um, now, isn't it? The gin, gin is, I mean, I'm sure, you know, the likes of Jamison's are delighted or whoever it is, or, or Gordon's over here make the gin. I'm sure they're delighted because nobody mentioned gin for years and all of a sudden it's just become so popular for young people to drink 400 different flavours of gin. I know, I know. I, did, I never actually took to spirits. I never liked spirits. You know, I was always just white wine um, and I would have a lager. But it was, I think it's, it's one of those things that women, we, have, we do have to, we're, we're in a man's world to a certain degree. We have to fight to, to get equality. And going back 20 years ago, sometimes I was in the advertising industry and the filming industry, and you had to drink like the clients no you'd sit there and you'd be seen as weaker mm. if you didn't drink with them you know don't be a spoil sport you know? yeah have a drink and so I, you just yeah. grow a tolerance you do grow a tolerance and then all of a sudden you're a mum and then you've got different stresses and strains and then there's a bit of boredom that creeps in because you are sat on the sofa of an evening or you know i had a time where i was a single mum and i had nothing to do with an evening and it, it was like my bottle of wine was my friend which sounds awful mm. but it was it was my company but i even know as a down drinker and i worked in the nightclub industry for years as a dj as well as well as the radio industry and i know when you went out to events or you know kind of social events or whatever it was you were the kind of weirdo if you didn't drink <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something wrong with you, you know? And you always ended up leaving early because everybody else kind of got into this weird mood because they were all pissed. And everybody, so you kind of felt embarrassed by it and you just kind of left early. You kind of felt like you were out of place. And I, I still would leave. I mean, we don't go out that much, to be honest, as mm. I say, young family. But I think if somebody, I, I don't have a problem with people drinking. You know, if people want to drink, I don't, I'm not somebody that will sit there and sort of glare at them or, or give them lectures. Um, I just, Literally, when somebody's getting drunk, that's usually the point that I will make yeah. my excuses politely. Mm. And because you'll know this, you know, drunk people think they make sense. I thought I made sense. Yeah, they think they're funny you know, too. Uh, and they're not usually. No, they're not. And they're getting in your face and they're usually, you know, far, far too close. And so it's just, it, there is a time of night. It's not that you're a party pooper. It's just that actually oh, going to bed. Maybe I am a party pooper, Louisa. I <laughs> hate drunk people. I just despise drunk. They irritate me. And, and that's terrible coming from somebody who worked in the nightclub industry. And they'd be, I'd have 1,500 drunk people dancing in front of me. But I was making money from it, so I didn't mind. But, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, it just got on my nerves. You know, people coming up and acting like three-year-olds. I just couldn't figure it out. That's just because I'm a non-drinker. I'm probably biased anyway. But okay, so... So you have, you, have, you, have you never drunk? Have you never... I, you know what? At Christmas, I'll have a glass of tea and Maria and Coke. Maybe once at Christmas because I like the taste of tea and Maria. I think it's lovely and sweet. I love sweet things. I drink Red Bull all the time. And I love sweet things. And if I'm on holidays or at Christmas, I might have one glass of tea and Maria because I just like the taste of it. But no, apart from that, no, I don't drink. Just, That's amazing. Well, it was, well I, it was because, I suppose, I would be, being working in the nightclub industry mainly when, you know, when I was younger, 
I would have been out every night going to gigs and I had to drive. So I was certainly wouldn't have drink, drink and drive. So I just didn't drink. Uh, and I remember having my first pint of beer when I was 16 years of age. I went to a nightclub for somebody's 21st and I managed to squeeze my way in with fake ID. I was 16 and the done thing was to buy a pint of beer because I thought that's what lads do. I said, give me a pint of Smittix. So your man gave me a bite of Smittix. I drank it, went outside the car park and puked it all back up again. And from that moment <laughs> on, I decided drinking is not for me. So I never drank again. Uh, it was a kind of... See, weird... now that's what we call learning the lesson the first time. Now, how, how many lessons do, do most people have to learn? Yeah, but hey, <laughs> you know, but hey, Louise, I did the same thing with cigarettes when I was 16 years of age. Somebody gave me a cigarette. I also puked out the window of a train after smoking it. <laughs> but as soon as I puked out the window of the train, I said to the guy, can I have another one? <laughs> so I didn't... Oh. So I, and I'm still doing it. Not puking out the window of trains, by the way, can I point out? <laughs> but, but smoking the cigarettes. So what advice would you give to somebody who's gone through the dry January, they're back on the wine again now, they're having a couple of glasses, and they're kind of saying, oh, Louisa, would you stop out of that? I don't have a problem. I'm just having, you know, two or three glasses at night, which is probably a case a week. Two or three glasses at night. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, like you, I don't get drunk. I can still look after the kids. I can still do my thing. And I'm just relaxing. Will you get over yourselves? What do you say to those people? I would say... Um Educate yourself as to what, and I don't mean that in a patronising way, but educate yourself as to what alcohol actually is, and it, and some of the sort of the risks to it. And I hate, I don't like preaching or anything like that, but there are a lot of risks. And like you say, there are women we can't metabolise alcohol in the same way as men, and that's another reason why there's more um, liver cases with women. But I would say just listen to podcasts, listen, go on to sober Instagram, you know, um, follow some accounts. And if you are going to go sober or even just moderate, then get an app and actually Mm. clock how much you drink. Now, there's loads of apps out there. Try Dry is a brilliant app from Alcohol Change UK, which is, is the charity. And that's free. And you can just log your units because... That was the thing I started with about nine months before I actually quit, was logging my units. And they, it was horrifying. I know. How but horrifying that can it. be. Yeah. But I know that from smoking because outside the studio, I used to have like this bin where I'd put my butts when I was finished. And after a few months, I'm looking in this bin and it's full of butts. And I go, there must be thousands in there. Did I smoke all of those? And I think I was the only one in that particular location smoking. So I must have been me. And it disgusted me. It really did disgust me. But here's the other thing. On the podcast, The Sober Rebel, which is a great name yeah. for podcast, can I point out? Um, the Sober Rebel, you interview guests about the joys they've experienced going sober. So what sort of things do they tell you about how their life changed after they went sober? We've got all sorts of things. Um, so things like weight loss, um, energy. Do you know that one, one lady said that she fell in love with herself um, in sobriety, you know, because... We don't drink heavily because we're happy. You know, when you go sober, you've actually got a chance then to do some work on yourself, to have a bit of therapy. But one of the things you're doing is you're approaching life fully present. And that's a blessing and a curse. Mm. So you're fully present. You can start to process some of those things and you can start to learn who you really are. Because if you're having a drink every time you go out with your friends, you don't know who you really are or what you really enjoy. That's alcohol talking yeah and, and so it's it's a way of finding finding out what you like to do so there are people that have 
suddenly found health and fitness. There are people that have lost vast amounts of weight. There are people that their relationships have improved or their friendships or their careers have changed. And their bank balance. And their bank balance. And their bank balance, (laughs) yes. But you have to, with with the bank balance, these apps tell you how much you've saved. But let me tell you now, if you don't put that to one side, which I haven't, you do not see that money. No, <laughs> I don't no. know where it goes. <laughs> it's the, the amount same. of money I'm supposed to save. Yeah, it's the same when you give up smoking. People say you'll save 400 quid a month or whatever it is. You don't really actually because you just spend it on something else or whatever it is. Yeah, so I, you don't really see it as such. Well, you think you don't see it. And, and I suppose what are, in the, the podcast, do you focus particularly on people who have gone from being kind of drunk to sober? Yeah, it is very much about people who have gone sober but the range of people that i talk to uh, is vast so mm. i've just literally that the latest podcast episode is a guy called mitch who um had his first drink of alcohol at 17 and literally became alcohol dependent immediately he he could not get enough of it he went into rehab at age 19 he was he believed he had an allergy to it and and he has been sober now for 17 years and worked in the recovery sector whereas other people will say no I was I was a a weekend binge drinker I couldn't do a night out without a drink I could go in the week without drinking and then you've got people like me that would drink most nights Uh, and then you have people that would maybe have a couple of bottles of wine a night and you think oh that's that's a lot yeah and so it's it's really varied. Men it's amazing the way people can turn their lives around, by the way, when they change their lifestyle and rethink their life. You know, if they, particularly if they're extremely heavy drinker and they're an alcoholic. Like I recently, for my own podcast during the day, I recently interviewed the Psychopath Life's coach. And and he went to, you know, he was I ended up in jail three times. He was a bad boy, criminal. Now he has a website, a successful business worth 25 million, all because he stopped the drugs and stopped the drink and changed and turned his life around. Yeah. So it's amazing the way people can turn their lives around because they become, you think you're functioning, but you're kind of not really because you're dependent on something. Exactly. I mean, I wasn't functioning. And this is, I was functioning, but I wasn't now. I In your up. own head, you, know, you were functioning. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I, was, I was never late. I would always turn up to things. I always thought I looked the part. I look back at me now and my face has changed shape. And, mm. and it's just... It's just so amazing. And I actually thought when I stood there that day and I filmed, I filmed a video of myself crying because I was genuinely really worried that there was something going to be something wrong with my health if I carried on. You know, I was drinking like a teenager. I kept saying to myself, this is ridiculous. Yeah, grow up. And I, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I basically had a word in myself. I filmed this video and I, I was I, I was in tears. I said, like, you know, I'm scared I'm not going to see my children grow up or even get to a decent age you know why am I doing this to myself and I thought that alcohol had sort of sold itself to me and the alcohol industry and all the marketing had sold itself to me as the be all and end all you know what do you do if you don't drink and I just thought it was going to be the worst thing I could ever do and my life was over you know but I knew I had to do it but it has actually been the biggest gift it has changed my life I am now doing my master's in psychology so I'm, I'm furthering my education further than I ever thought was possible. I've written a book. I'm, I'm recording a podcast. I'm talking to you this evening. You know, there's just it's just completely turned my life around. Yeah, and, and that's wonderful, by the way. And, and it's been a really interesting conversation too. If people want to know more, what, what, where are you on Instagram? What will they look for on Instagram? Um, so I am stepping underscore into underscore sobriety. So stepping into sobriety 
but also you can find me at louisaevans.com where I've got all the links to everything. Okay, for people well. who don't know what I'm saying, so Louisa has an A at the end of it because people are more familiar with Louise. So it's L-O-U-I-S-A Evans.com right. and it's stepping underscore into into, sorry, uh, underscore sobriety. And uh, your podcast, by the way, if people want to search, I'm assuming it's on Spotify and all the usual places. Um, it's, it is. It's called The Sober Rebel. And it hit number two in Ireland. Did it? So on the alternative health chart, it did. It's, it's had 50,000 downloads. Um, I, yesterday it hit 50,000 downloads, which is quite something considering it's only six months old. Okay, that's wonderful. So I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. I'm well done because I know how difficult it can be to get a podcast off the ground because I do it on a daily basis. So I know how difficult that can be. And uh, I must get you onto my podcast and I'll go on and tell everybody on your podcast how easy it is not to drink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Louise, it's been lovely talking to you. Continued success, by the way, with both your podcast, your book, which is also called The Sober Rebel. Uh, is that available on Amazon, usual places? It's um, it's called Becoming a Sober Rebel, um, just in case people are searching for it. And it's on Audible, it's on Amazon, so it's an audiobook as well. Okay. All right. I love audiobooks because I spend so much time in the car, it's so much easier for me to have audiobooks. I find reading while you're driving. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Anyway, Becoming a Sober Rebel is the name of the book. The Sober Rebel is the name of the podcast. You can go to the Instagram page, which is stepping underscore into underscore sobriety, or just go to louisaevans.com. Louisa, thank you for joining us, and I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.